we have a guest speaker today, Hope Taylor, who I've had the great privilege of knowing now for, goodness, it's been uh, probably seven years now uh, since Hope and I first connected. And uh, God sovereignly brought him into the house uh, through a prayer initiative that he was doing that was coordinating with a worship and prayer initiative that, uh, that we were doing many years ago. And uh, over the years that I've gotten to know him, I have found him to be one of the most sincere and one of the most authentic and uh, a man who is absolutely full of integrity and who carries the heart of the Lord uh, for leaders and for our nation. He actually uh, leads a ministry called International Leadership Embassy. He's in and out of Washington, D.C. at least once a month. And uh, so he's going to bring us a message today. I'm not exactly sure what's on his heart, but I know that when he speaks, he always brings worldview that causes us to look up a little bit higher and, uh, and see how the kingdom of God is interacting and operating in the earth from a higher perspective. And uh, I've, I'm asking us, uh, since we're just sitting right now at 1140, if we could uh, build our margin out to 1215 and um, that, that will give him a, a good amount of time for him to speak. And, you know, in Africa, they have church services that go for about five and six and seven and eight hours. So, um, you know, and, and maybe God willing, that'll happen in the United States of America someday. Come on. All right. Without further ado, would you help me welcome my friend and a father in the Lord, Apostle Hope Taylor to Antioch Church. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Awesome day already, right? I think after prayer and worship and then the corporate prayer, we could just uh, go ahead and go home because you guys just been hitting all around what's in my heart. So thank you all so much. But, but, you know what I'm saying, but uh, maybe there's a thing or two left, right? Uh, yeah, hey, a privilege to be with you guys. I'll be mindful, sensitive of your time. Uh, thanks again for the privilege of being with you. And I mean that with great sincerity. It is a privilege. Uh, anytime you have the opportunity and an open door to share the Word of God, whether it's behind a, a podium or on the streets, that's called a privilege, right? That's a privilege, and so we, we, we're, we're very mindful of that. Uh, quickly, before we go into the Word, let me congratulate you on your new name. I cannot go, I can't come here and leave here without doing that, guys. I'm proud of you. Awesome, guys, awesome. I love it. Because it, it doesn't mean just a new name and, and you, and you kind of do different signage. It has significance. I think it's a launching point for you, and I think it defines your future. Uh, the name does. And so great significance in that. And again, I just salute you uh, for embracing that, now walking that forward and walking it out. Uh, we need Antioch models in the nation, don't we? We need those. And then uh, one other thing I got to touch on very quickly is I had the privilege yesterday of being at uh, Mercy's Gate Outreach. Wow. Wow. Where's Julie? Is, Julie is, can I, can I ask you to stand, Julie? Everybody else knows you, but I, I you know, I just gotta, you do that. <clears throat> that, um, I salute all of you guys for that, for the envisioning of that, the carrying it forward and uh, uh, for this house and what you guys are doing to, whether you're on site yesterday or you're, or you're there during the week or whatever place you play in that through prayer, whatever level, we need those happening. Uh, across this nation. And uh, I was just impressed. I don't know, encouraged, impressed, uh, uh, blessed by that. And uh, so again, uh, well done, well done to all of those that volunteered and served and uh, keep moving forward in that. 
Keep moving. We, we need those testimonies and uh, people to be impacted by, by that, right? I think Jesus comes to change our lives, doesn't he? And so whether it's through a backpack or whatever it is, uh, the touch of the gospel in our life changes lives. So thank God. All right, well, I'm going to talk to you this morning uh, about uh, what's the passion of our heart and what God's put in us to say this year. And uh, so let me just jump in. Now, this is a familiar portion of Scripture, so we're going to go where you, you probably all memorize this verse of Scripture. When you first got started, you know, in the kingdom of God, Jeremiah 29, uh, like a good, uh, one of my fathers in the faith, sometimes he'll say, if you don't know this verse, turn your uh, papers in. So anyway, all right, so this is Jeremiah 29. Familiar. We're going to use this to launch from. Uh, verse 4, we'll start there. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, and eat their produce. Take wives, become the father of sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and daughters. Give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there. Do not decrease. In verse 7, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will have what? Welfare. We know the context and the use of the word welfare there is a little different than what the contemporary uses is, right? We understand that. But I want, I want to just start off this morning by saying, did we catch the word where God spoke through the prophet and the prophet said to the people of God, you are where I've planted you. And so it's important that we understand where we are, we have to understand God has planted us there. Because if we don't ever cross that bridge in our own heart and our own mind, we'll never buy in to ownership of the community where God has planted us. And so it's important that we begin there today uh, to understand that the Lord has planted us in a certain place. Is that right? Yes. All right, so God has planted you guys here. And again, that was very obvious yesterday that y'all are taking ownership of the community and the culture. Again, hallelujah for that. But isn't it interesting, this was not their preferred place of living. And yet, thus saith the Lord, I put you there. Exiles, if you will. So the word of the Lord takes precedent over our own personal preferences, right? So the word of the Lord was, I put you there. So therefore, you are to dig your heels in, you might say, and you are to be a part of transforming that community where you are. Don't disengage, but as a matter of fact, be more engaged than you ever have before. So I think the word of the Lord, whether it was spoken back in that day or where we're reading it today, it still has authority and application for us. Do you agree? So we have to see that this morning, and then we got to come down to verse 11, where this is the one you memorized early on, right? For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, and to give you a future and hope. We all memorize that one, right? See, we got born again, and somebody at some point said, hey, you got to know this scripture, and we grabbed hold of that word. Hallelujah. God has got a plan for our future. Uh, how many of you know that's good news? That's good news, right? Well, can I talk to you this morning, even though it's Sunday morning and we're encouraged, can I just shoot straight with us this morning? Is that all right? If we can't be honest on Sunday morning, the Lord help us, right? Uh, God help us. So let me just shoot straight with you and talk out of the burden and the passion of Hope Taylor's soul, if I may. Because I believe a nation weighs in the balance. And it depends on, church, what we, the people of God, do and how we respond as to what the future of this nation is. People are always asking, what do you see? What do you think? Well, let me just start here. And, and I believe this, when I'm asked the question, can America be transformed, reformed, uh, move into revival, whatever terminology you want to use, we're speaking the same language. Can it be changed, right? My answer is emphatically yes. 
How do you change it? How do you change what looks like a, and even over the, the, the international events of the last few weeks, it seems like uh, we just move into more crisis situations. How can this nation be shifted? I think it's shifted one community at a time. If we just see the big picture, we get overwhelmed. And so how can we bring transformation used of God into our cities and communities? We do it by what the prophet said, engaging where God has planted us and believing God that, Lord, you planted us here. God, you're going to give us strategies to how to shift this. So my prayer today is that God would speak to us as it says in the scriptures. I pray you wouldn't hear the word of a man this morning, but somehow in the providential wisdom and eternal insight of God himself, you would hear something from father's heart. Can you say amen? So that's our prayer and our hope this morning. So how many of you believe today that God has in fact destined for you a hope and a future? Yes. Now, how many of us believe that God has also destined for our great nation a hope and a future? Yes. All right. See, you kind of know where I'm going. So you're going to say yes, just out of obligation right there, right? <laughs> so, well, we can't discourage him right here. We better say yes. All right. Uh, so let, let, let me just dig in for just a minute uh, in, in this area. Church, as I uh, visit, interact, and share with people, I want to, this is my perception. The greatest threat America has is not terrorism. It's not our economic challenges. It's not even our moral issues. It's not the international thing. The greatest threat, as I perceive, for our great nation is something that's internal for every person. And that is hopelessness. Now, let me just take a few minutes and unpack that for us, if, if I may. I've looked in the eyes of seasoned uh, men and women of God. I've listened to people talk and interact. And underlying some of this, there seems to be this sense of, I'm not sure about our future. I happen to believe that God has a good future for this nation. I believe that God has a future for us as God's people. Amen? We do, that God has that. So having said that, we're just going to launch from Jeremiah. I know the plans that I have for you, plans for welfare, not for calamity, give you a future and hope. So let's go over to Acts chapter 27. Uh, we're going we're gonna to end up in Acts chapter 27. And let me give you a little bit of background before we go into that, that particular text. So every year... Toward the first of the year, I try to set aside time just to be with God, um, just to spend time with the Lord. And, and I say it like this, I ask God, Lord, what's on your heart for, for my life and for this year and for our family? What is your heart? As opposed to taking a list and saying, God, would you bless this? I try to, if you will, come with a clean slate. And just say, Lord, I'm not presuming anything. I'm just saying, God, you write the script. You give us some, some direction. And I would say it like this, Lord, let us calibrate our plans and our resources with what's in God's heart. Do you understand what we're saying? And so we try to do that. This year in January, we were in our capital city in D.C. doing that asking God. And just as the Lord began to speak and communicate to us, he began to talk to me about something that mentally I'd never gone there before. It was a new concept, a new idea. I'd never heard it in, the, in quite that way before. And so as God began to speak to me about this, he began to speak to me about our nation. And for about 10 years now, our primary assignment has been on America and on this nation. Now, let me say this real quickly, because I know I'm in a house that loves the nations. Right? And let me say, I'm not talking contrary because before God ever gave me a burden for America, these feet were placed in many, many nations of the earth. I spent time and resources, if you will, still some of it's on credit card. Hello, hallelujah. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> can you identify? Uh, 
in, 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 in the jungles of Africa, in Ukraine, where, where all that's going on now. So I wanna, I wanna, I've got to give you this framework so you can understand what we're saying. I hope you understand this morning. I'm not talking about that America in, in, in sense of the other nations are disconnected. We live in a global world. And what happens here impacts there and what happens there impacts here. Are we seeing that, guys? No longer can we be deceived to believe we live in a small, isolated area, no matter what city or state or nation, we're all connected and what happens there affects here. And so I want you to understand today, the people of God, that this by no means are we just focused on America. We see the role of America being important and strategic in what happens internationally. Are you still with me? So I want to give you that context for us so we can understand that uh, this morning. So we're praying, we're asking God, what is your direction? He began to speak to me again about the nation. And this is what he began to talk to me. And here's where I got to kind of explain a little bit. He began to talk to me about what we're now calling hope for America. Now, back up just a minute, because before I was a Christian, I was not a Christian. <laughs> Stay awake now, of course, you'll get lost. And this is deep theological stuff now. <laughs> This is deep theological stuff. All right. So when you're not a Christian, how many of you, you do things that people who are not believers and Jesus followers do? Back in my day as a, as a teenager, that meant that was the drug culture. And so my early days, uh, young days and teen days before coming to Christ was out of the whole drug culture. And so uh, when I would get around and I drove, by, by the way, for some of you who have some gray hair and kind of can go back to this day, you know, and you remember some of those days, Right. Not, not, not many of us gray hairs in here, but I've noticed that too. I feel like I'm in the senior citizen club right now. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I'll get through this. I'll get through this. But how many of you might remember that uh, during that day, if you're really serious about your thing, you know, what's your choice of vehicles? It had to be a Volkswagen Beetle. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. Anybody old enough to, you're right. I see a hand, but I see that hand. All right. So <clears throat> if you're really serious about being, you know, that, that thing, you drove a bus, you know, Volkswagen bus. And, and so anyway, so I never graduated to real time, but I did drive a Beetle, you know, the small thing. So, so when we got our colleagues in the Beetle with us, and now I'm being very generous using the word colleagues colleagues. So when we got in there and you, you know, you, ro you, you roll the windows up on a Volkswagen Beetle and back in that day, you cranked up the Almond Brothers. Are you still with me? All right. You got them cranked up, man. Sarah wasn't good. It was high pitched, out of tune sounds that you wouldn't appreciate that sound system in that thing. But anyway, it do the, do the work. All right. So we're in there and it was amazing that when some of the, some of my colleagues got a little vapor going in the room. This is the original vapor. The vapor stores you, this is the original vapor. You know, it's interesting how their creative juices kicked in. And it, it, I, I, can, I can remember oftentimes they would in their genius moments use the word hope and the word dope. You already with me? In the same sentence and they were so proud of themselves. Hoping to, you know, like they had accomplished something. So anyway, I said all that to say, you know, back in that day, I'd kind of heard the name used in every kind of situation. Are you with me? Then June 10th, 1974, I had the awesome privilege of meeting Jesus Christ in a personal way. That's right. No time to tell all the story, but it was a transformational day. 
And so then I got born again, came into the kingdom of God, hung around folks kind of like y'all. By the way, thanks for the early morning prayer time. Uh, I told Joyce, we went from zero to 30,000 like that in that prayer time. I loved that up there a while ago. That was awesome, guys. Thank, I'm serious about it. Thank you guys very much for that, that prayer. But I, I learned this, that when you get around prophetically uh, inspired people, mm, that's right, they far excel the former colleagues when it comes to the name. Are you with me? So I said all that to say this, you can't say something about the name Hope that I hadn't already heard before. I guarantee you can. Well, I don't know, some of you might can. But anyway, the point is, I'm back now in January in D.C. and I'm asking God, God, what is your heart? What is your assignment? What are we to focus on for this year? And God begins to speak to us about hope for America. The point is this, when the Lord begins to speak to you, you have to let that word take precedent over your own internal baggage from a past season. Are you with me? And so we had to come through all of that and filter. It didn't take long, mind you, but we did have to work through that to say, and yes, God, to this thing called hope for America. And I hope you understand this is not about an individual. This is about something that God carries in his heart and he's chosen to plant, I believe, in the soul of every person when they're born. It's called hope. How many of us know everybody deserves to carry something inside their soul that believes that tomorrow can be a better day than yesterday? How many of you believe that? So as God began to speak to me about that and we began to carry that and look in the word, I found myself over and we'll go this morning to Acts 27 and just look here. Now watch this. And I loved it this morning when Dan hit on the Matthew passage and what you guys studied the other day. So we're going to jump in Acts 27 make a few comments or two. Everybody say amen. All right. Uh, and watch what happens here. They're on a ship, Dan. Are you are here? You're with me? Y'all on Friday night, y'all on. All right, here we are. We're on a ship again. We'll start at verse, oh, verse four. And from there, we put out to sea and sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. Now, what I'd like for us to do as I read and you track with me through some of these passages, get the language. If you will, step into the moment of what's happening to these people when they were on their ship and when the winds began to blow. Listen to the eternal word of God as how it describes that moment in time in those days when these people were on that ship. So here it says here, the winds were contrary. How many of you, of you know, if you're on a ship and the winds are contrary, that's not necessarily a good day, right? That's not necessarily a good day. Now you don't look out and say, well, it's a good day to fly. All right. So and when we sailed through the sea along the coast of uh, Cilicia, Pamphylia, we landed at Myra and Lycia. And there, and there the centurion found an Alexandria ship sailing for Italy, put us aboard it. And when we had sailed slowly for a good many days with great difficulty, you hear the language? Great difficulty. I had arrived off Snidus since the wind did not permit us to go farther. We sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmon. Great difficulty sailing past it, we came to a certain place called Fair Havens, near, near which was a city of the sea. When considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, are you still with me, the language? Now it's dangerous. Uh, since even the fast was already over, Paul began to admonish him and said to them, Men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be attended with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Now let's pause there for just a moment. Let's see if we understand this. Paul, if you will, is the least among them on the ship because he is a prisoner. Are you with me? He's a prisoner. 
He's not a free man, but he's the least. But when the winds begin to come against the ship, all of a sudden, if you will, and our sister prayed a while ago, I don't see you right now, but you prayed. I love what you prayed a while ago because you talked about God raising up unknowns. Did y'all hear that? Uh, when she's praying about the election, the nation, etc. Well, here's what I see in this. You see, when the winds begin to come against them on this ship, by the way, how many of you know their future depended on what happened on that ship? So when they began to be strong against them, when the winds began to beat against them, it's interesting that the least among them now has a platform to release something. Come on, you got to help me a little bit this morning. Y'all have an organist in the house that can help me. Anyway. All right. Got to stay on track one more time. All right. So let's, let's look at the nation for just a moment. In turbulent times in America, my prayer is, and I agree with our sister in the flow of what I've heard already, my prayer is that God would raise up, if you will, like she said, unknowns, those who haven't necessarily been the headliners, and give them a platform, not just to release an opinion, but a solution. So you want, you, want, you want some tactical, you want some strategy? Here's something for us in prayer, uh, guys. We've got to pray, God, remove those who are simply voices and opinions and raise up those who bring solutions to the table. Our day, we're in a desperate moment when we don't need, if you will, just noise, we need solutions. I'm of the opinion, I don't care if it's in uh, this community, uh, whatever situation it's in in our nation, whatever level the principle of Implies that if you come to the table with an answer and a solution with a word of wisdom, guess what you have? You have influence. And right now, we're in a day, saints of God, no matter what our situation is personally or nationally, we're desperate for answers. We're in a desperate pray place for solutions. So you want to know how to pray? Lord, remove those who are simply, again, just giving opinions and raise up those, God, who are, begin to release wisdom into situations. And so you see what happens here in this passage. Paul released it. By the way, how many of you know he got everybody's attention when he said not everybody on this ship is going to be alive at the end? Now, all of a sudden, that's what you call a captive audience, <laughs> Right? Oh, my God. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know a lot about him, but it sounds like he knows what he's talking about. All right. And so here, let's, let's read further. <clears throat> uh, he said, uh, men, verse 10, uh, let's see, let me, where was it? Verse, uh, the centurion was more persuaded by the, verse 11, persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. And, be, and because the harbor was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached a decision to put out to sea from there if somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing southwest, northwest, and spend the winter there. Now, real quickly, just a side note, it says here in this passage that the majority agreed. Can we just talk politics for just a moment? I promise this will be painless. Come on, give me a little bit of grace, guys. How many of you know the majority is not always right? Come on now. Here's a passage. The majority is not always right. We got a work cut out to do for us, Jerob, in the, in, in the church of Jesus Christ. We got a work cut out for us because we must begin to raise the level of understanding of current issues among the body of Christ. 
We got to raise the level, see, because if we don't do that, we'll continue to be in a situation where people kind of just show up and think, well, this is kind of what I feel as opposed to being rooted in the eternal word of God and understanding biblically how you to think, how you should think and how you should act, if you will, vote and process through situations. Are you with me? So I'm saying, listen, uh, let me just be honest on Sunday morning, guys, the mountain is tall. We got our work cut out for us as a people of God. But again, the premise is this. This is not a democratic, republican, independent. This is about the kingdom of God. Who carries within them the ability, the grace, the anointing, whatever word you want to use to turn this nation? You know who it is? Look at your neighbor. That's who does. The people of God. In cities just like this, across this great nation, it's the people of God that carry within them the seeds of reformation. So instead of looking at just the negatives, I choose to say God is in, in the midst of what's going on. And God will use these times to raise up people. People that understand how to see things and how to talk and how to communicate and use them to bring solutions to community. How many of you believe that America's best days can be ahead of her, not behind her? Come on now, help me a little bit. All right, so let's watch what happens. When a moderate wind came up, supposing that they had gained their purpose, they weighed anchor, began sailing along creek close in shore. But before very long, rushed down from the land a violent wind. Now, did you, we started off, we got wind. Then we got danger. Now we got violent. Now, verse 14, uh, it, it says there, a violent wind. Verse 15, and when the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. Running under the shelter of a small island called Clauda, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. And after they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables undergirding the ship, fearing that they might run aground on the shallows of Sirtis. They let down the sea anchor, and so they let themselves be driven along. Here's the story. Here's what's happening in this passage, church. Because of the violent winds that were beating against them, no longer could they try to chart and steer the ship where they wanted to go. Now it's a matter of survival. Now it's just cooperate with the winds, let the winds blow us wherever it's going to take us because if we try to chart a course now, the winds will destroy us. Do you understand that? It was a, it was a very uh, dangerous moment. Many, many today are in a place where they're just saying, you know, we're in a place where we feel like we've lost control. We don't feel like we can set the course for our future. And I'm not talking about just in the culture. I'm talking about in the church as well. It goes back to that thing of hopelessness. Again, my perception, my concern, my passion is that the greatest threat America carries is hopelessness. How we see our future. How do we view our future? How do we see that? So the passage... <clears throat> They begin to throw things over the third day. They threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands, etc. So here's what's happening. What at the beginning of this journey seemed like priorities that they needed to carry with them. Now, after several days of the wind hitting against them, life being in the balance, are they going to make it or not? All of a sudden, the things that were priority and valuable to them. Now, guess where those things go? In the sea. They're overboard. Now, because I happen to travel, I understand the principle of, of, of priorities and taking what you need because you only had limited space. Are you with me? That's the way life is, right? Wisely using what God has given you. 
And so I understand that. And yet, because situations began to came, come against them, all of a sudden these things that were must, now throw them overboard because now it's a matter of life and death. Are you with me? Here's what I want to say to us today. I don't believe, and I'm not trying to discourage us, guys. I'm trying to help us. I don't believe that we as, the, uh, as a nation or, if you will, out of the woods in terms of some of the challenges that are before us. Can we have a little healthy dose of reality? All right. Right? Are you with me? So here's the point real quickly before we move forward from this because you're just shouting so loud now I can't even think. All right. Uh, <laughs> Because the reality, the reality is this, guys. I want us to be encouraged because there may be times when situations, circumstances are introduced into our life that what yesterday was priority to us, now it needs to be turned loose of. Right? Are you with me? We need to let some things go because, you know, you, we, God, we trust God for the future. Is that right? But that doesn't mean everything that we call dear in our priority list is the same today that it might be tomorrow. Now, that's just a quick, I just throw that in real quick. All right, just to let you think about that for just a moment. All right, so here's what happens. Verse 20, and since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, no uh, small storm was assailing us. From then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. Now, we're just going to park here for just a minute because here is the essence of what is in my spirit for our great nation and uh, the Lord's church is this. Begin to see this passage, and as you read the wording of it, what you see is this. These people were not, they were not novices on the sea. They were veterans. Do you understand? It's not their first trip. And yet what happened is because of the great challenges that seemed like there was no end to these things, it was challenging them, now they came to a place to where it says all hope. You got that? All hope was gradually abandoned. I begin to see this. We don't lose hope overnight. You lose hope when the winds hit against your ship over a period of time and things get darker and more challenging. And here's what I begin to see and what I begin to hear from God is this. America as a nation cannot afford our generals in the faith. Are you with me? You see, because these were not novices, these people have been around a while, we cannot afford our generals in the faith, those who didn't start yesterday in the kingdom of God to reach a place of being disillusioned and hopeless about our future. Now, I hate to be a realist this morning, but the reality is sometimes when you listen to some believers and even some leaders, it sounds like America's best days are behind us. Here's what I see and here's what I want to convey to us, guys. We must not depend on the left nor the right to be a messenger of hope into our culture because they're not going to give it to us. That's not where we're going to get it. That's not where people on your street who desperately need to hear a message of hope, it's not going to come from the left or the right. Guess where it comes from? It comes from us, the people of God. It originates in the heart of God and he plants it within us. And so we then are carriers of what? Hope. We're the carriers of that. Uh, Pastor Jade, I, I had this thought here recently. I thought about, uh, I'm not 35 anymore, hello. And, but I thought about this, you know, as a young boy when I, when I was just out doing things on my dad's farm. And as I began to think about the future then, I always carried this treasure inside of me about the future with optimism. I was excited about it. That's a good thing. And I began to get distressed, concerned, if you will, about our nation and think, what is my generation leaving for your generation? Are we leaving you that thing that beats inside every heartbeat, every soul that says tomorrow 
can be a better day than today or yesterday. Heard something the other day, I can't get the quote exactly, but the point was this, if our past seems to have more weight and if you will value to us than our dreams, then we're in trouble. You see, are you with me? You see, because I, I thought about this psychologically, guys, it's never healthy to have someone that's always living in the past. When their conversation, their, 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 their focus is always about what was. You see, after you get in conversation with people and it seems to always go there about what was and they live in the past, sooner or later you got to say to them, my dear friend, you got to come out of the past and move into your future. The word says God gives you a future and a hope, right? And so my, my, my concern is, guys, is this, that the church of Jesus Christ must have a rallying call for culture and even within our own selves that we are a people who serve a God of hope. The word says, may the God of hope, is that right? May the God of hope, what stir in you, may he fill you. And so we are carriers of this thing called hope for a culture, and our culture desperately needs us. I'm going to be fast about this because, well, I just want to be honor your time. But I've uh, been very concerned about what I call, now y'all just check out on me here if this doesn't uh, encourage you a little bit. But I, I'm a little concerned about what I call pessimistic preachers. You see, because if we are in fact the army of God, if we are the people of God, and I think we are, the ones that God has called and God has raised up, we sang about a while ago, to, if you will, to change culture, if that's us and we're constantly being fed a diet of pessimism, if we're constantly fed a diet of how bad things are, what happens is the very voice that God has raised up now moves into place that is silenced. Second thing, very quickly, is this, the media. Now, let me hit on that just for a moment. And I'm not talking about the natural ones that you think, well, those guys are not our friends. I'm talking about maybe some that may, we may be considered our allies. Now, hang with me just a moment. Here's my point. When I watch believers that wake up in the morning, grab their remote, and the first thing they turn on is certain news uh, media. Did you hear that part? Certain news media. <clears throat> here's, here's the bottom line, guys. Here's what happens. 24-hour news cycle of bad news, you know what it does to the body of Christ? It paralyzes, immobilizes, and overwhelms it as opposed to energizing it and empowering it. And so I began to say, God, this must not be in our day. We must not, as the people of God, slip ourselves up underneath the continual downspout of negative news media. And I'm talking about allies. Now, I'm not talking about the natural enemies. I'm not calling names, but you, you know what I'm, uh, you with me. We report, you decide. Anyway, all right. Are you with me? Listen, I'm, I'm joking, but I'm very serious about the point. I've looked in the eyes of 30-something-year-olds around this nation that said, basically, I have taken my uniform off. I have gotten off the field. I am sitting on the bench because there's nothing I can do. And where were they getting their message? Where were they getting their feeding? From those news sources. I tell this, guys, hey, let's pray into this thing. Let's break this. Let's hear from God, not from media sources. All right, so we got to move on and get done here. All right, so here's what happens. Neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. Uh, no small storm was sailing us. All hope of being saved was gradually abandoned. And when we'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood up in their midst and said, here he is now, part two of his message. Men, you ought to have followed my advice. Real quickly, if you and your spouse ever have a challenge and you told them they didn't take your advice, there's your passage right there. There it is right there. 
Acts 27, 21. And by the way, guys, if you try that in the heat of the battle, let me know how that works out for you. All right. So he stands up he, and begins to deliver. He says, uh, you ought to follow my advice, not set sail from Crete and incur this damage and loss. Verse 22. Yet now I urge you, listen to these words, keep up your courage. For there shall be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep your courage, men, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I've been told. But we must run aground on a certain island and the passage goes on. So the message is this, church. Our nation must have people who don't read headlines and simply regurgitate what they've read. We are in a desperate place where we need men and women of God who like the Apostle Paul in the midst of a great storm, hear something from on high and then can stand in the midst of that. And you know what you have when you stand in the midst of a storm and, and everybody thinks our future is gone, there is no future. What you have is again, you have influence. God has given you influence. So my closing comments are this, saints of God, keep your courage. What is the most valuable thing you have as a believer in Christ? I believe it's faith and hope and faith are so tied together, no time to go on at all of that. I'm done with this. America's best days can be in front of her, not behind her. And it depends on us as God's people being filled with hope because we serve the God of hope. God bless you.